Amanda, remember that time Marie Antoinette did not say, let them eat cake? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host, Anna Webb, and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about their favorite moments in history. And we're back. We're back, baby. I'm so sorry we didn't have an episode when we were supposed to. It's my fault. I couldn't get it together. <laughs> it's week. good. We were supposed it's all to good. record. It's all good. I mean, I was moving anyway. It was a lot. There That's was a lot true. happening. That's true. Um, it's just a, it's, you know, it's a weird time. It's everything. It's fine. It's just what it comes down to. This is what it is. Yeah. Um, but we're back and we're going to talk today about Marie Antoinette. I'm very excited about this. This is going to be very interesting. Last queen of France. Yes. Um, but before we get into that, do you want a drink update? Of course. Okay, great. Today I'm having some white wine. Lovely. It just felt like appropriate, I feel like, for the theme. It's and it's hot out and it's a little more summery, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. True. I'm drinking water. <laughs> now I'm just trying to find fun new ways to say it. I know that. <laughs> I can tell that. Cause I'm always drinking it. Having some water. Having a lovely time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So, Marie Antoinette, here's the thing I'm gonna say before we get into this episode. <laughs> Great, um, great. There's a lot that I'm leaving out because obviously the French Revolution is part of this and that could honestly be its own episode. Oh, for sure. I'm not going to go too, too deep into that. And her, there's a lot to know about Marie Antoinette. I just can't fit it all into the length of this episode. That's that's what happens with like royals is that their lives get so heavily recorded and it's also interesting that you're just like, oh my god, what do I leave in? What do I leave out? Like, right. Well, and it's you know, it's the 1700s. It's not like thousands of years ago. Right. So there's a lot of information. So, uh-huh. um, you know, sorry if I gloss over parts of the story that you wanted to hear or that you are interested in. Um, this is going to be just like the gist of Marie Antoinette's life. I and love it. Death and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Let's do it. Oh, also, I'm going to apologize in advance for the mispronunciation of the names. There's a lot of French names and some Austrian names. And I'm okay with French, but I'm not amazing at French. So. <laughs> I have French in high school. I took four years of French in high school and don't remember much of it. And you're about to see what that does for you <laughs> with the American education system. Yeah. Okay, so... <clears throat> Maria Antonia Josepha Joanne is born November 2nd, 1755 at Hofburg Palace in Vienna, Austria. Great start. Great start. She is the youngest daughter and 15th child and second to last child of Empress Maria Theresa, who is the ruler of the Habsburg Empire. That's too many children. <laughs> yeah. And Francis I, who is Holy Roman Emperor. So she gets started off on a pretty decent foot. 
Yep, but but also that's so many children. She's the fifteenth and Child. second to last, so there were sixteen total. Correct, and Too she's many. the youngest daughter, and I think the ninth daughter, maybe I can't remember exactly how many girls there. Doesn't were. matter. Too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, she is born on All Souls Day, which is a Catholic day of mourning. And so, so during her childhood, they actually would celebrate her birthday the day before on All Saints Day. Because it was a little more of a happy day. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, she is raised mostly alongside her sister, who is also named Maria. Why? You'll see this is a theme. Well, I'm certain. With 15 children, your creativity's <laughs> gotta run out somewhere in there. Well, her mother's name is also Maria. Which Maria was she of the daughter? <laughs> Maria Carolina. Carolina, Carolina, I'm not sure which way they said it. Um, who is about three years older than her. Um, and they are raised by a governess, Countess Von Brandeis, who is the governess for most of the royal children in the family. All 15 of them. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, too many. 16. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> By the time they're it's done. It's too many. It's too many. Uh, Maria Antonia spends most of her childhood at going between the Hofburg Palace and the Schomburg Palace. And at the latter is where she meets Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart oh. on October 13th, 1762. Um, she's about seven years old, and he's, like, about two months younger than her. Oh, my God. And obviously, he's a, a child prodigy at this time, so she's, like, wow. already making connections. That's wild. Well, those are people who, like, rich. obviously lived at the same time, but my brain doesn't connect them. Sure. You, know you kind of think of them in their own times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yes. though it was very obviously the same time period. Yeah, yeah. But I, d- I didn't realize they would have been children at the same time. That's very interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I see yeah. that. Um, so Maria, of course, receives tutoring. Um, but it actually doesn't take super well. <laughs> she, by the time she's 10, she cannot read, or I'm sorry, she cannot write correctly in German. Or any other language that they use at court, like French or Italian. She doesn't write it very well. And she doesn't converse very well in any of the other languages. Okay. Um, But she does become a good musician. She's tutored by Christoph Willibald Gluck, who is um, an opera composer. I have it in my notes later because we loop back around to mentioning him one more time. But Mm -hmm. um, she plays harp, harpsichord, and flute. Wow. And she, like, will, she's the one who will, like, sing at family, like, gatherings and stuff of court, you know. I know what you're thinking of. Okay. We're watching Emma the other day, the new one, and there's a scene where they're singing, and Anna just, like, you know, it's like at a party, and somebody's playing the piano, and they're singing a song. And Anna was watching the scene, and she looked at the screen, and then she looked at me, and she went, they just let anybody sing back there, huh? <laughs> they did. That was Killed like a thing. Me. I like think about it constantly. They just, just let, let anybody, anybody sing, then, sing huh? and people just sang. I think about it every time I watch the made for TV version of A Christmas Carol where they're all singing <laughs> where they're all singing around the piano and I'm like, why did they just let anyone sing? Just let anybody <laughs> sing back then, huh? God, that that really got me. Well, Maria Antonia is apparently actually a good singer, so I would I would believe that given her tutoring, but right. <laughs> it's true. They really did just like what you're bored? Learn the piano, sing. Oh, you no, can't this sing? is I don't like care. just sing. this is entertainment for the group. 
Someone get up, sing something. Can you sing at all? No, don't care. Sing something. (laughs) Do you you have a voice? Great. You're in. You're up, kid. Um, (laughs) So moving ahead a little bit, after the Seven Years' War and the Diplomatic Revolution of 1756, um, the alliances in Europe are changing pretty drastically. So up until this point, Austria... Maria's home country, um, has been in an alliance with Britain, but at this point they no longer are. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking to firm up other alliances. And her mother, Empress Maria Theresa, decides that she is going to sort of mend the muddled past that the country has with France, and that's where she's going to firm up her alliance. And this will happen by marrying Maria Antonia to the Dauphin of France. I will... Never get over the word dolphin because it looks and sounds like dolphin. Dolphin. (laughs) And every time I'm like, I know that you are royalty, but also you are the dolphin. (laughs) Congratulations. You're the dolphin. The dolphin of France. Wow. The dolphin of France. There is no L in the word, though. Nope. But it makes me think of it every time. (laughs) Yeah. So on February 7th, 1770... The marriage is proposed between Maria Antonia, who is 14, and Louis Auguste de Duc, nope, Duc de Berry, who, the Duke of Berry, um, who is the Dauphin of France, and he's 15. Wow. Uh, hey, Louis- one year, I'll take it. I know, right? <laughs> Same age group, killing Great. it. Great, loving it. Louis Auguste is the actually the grandson of the then current king of England, or I'm sorry, of France, King Louis. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> King Louis the Fifteenth, and he becomes heir at the age of eleven when his father dies. So his father at the time is Dauphin. He passes away. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. in 1765, at age eleven, he becomes the heir to the throne of France. So Maria Antonia formally renounces her rights to the Habsburg domains, which is like a pretty big thing to give up for France. Like that's a yeah. lot. But I you mean, know, al- but also she was fifteenth in line, so I guess she probably wasn't going to inherit. She wasn't going to get him anyway. That is true. Yeah. Um, and then on April nineteenth, Maria is married by proxy to Louis, which sure. means they're not in the same place. Um, and she is at the Augustian Church in Vienna, and her brother Archduke Ferdinand stands in for the Dauphin. Hate that. <laughs> I know. Well, Hate I mean, it's really just. She said the things to someone, you know, I guess. And he said them to someone over there, so now they're married, which is a wild concept to me. Because isn't the whole point that you're in the same place? Not if you're thinking of marriage as a contract. It really just is that they need to sign. I guess it is just, at that point, a verbal contract. So they just have to say the right combination of words being watched by the correct person. Exactly. Exactly. That's wild. You just imagine that, like, verbal contract happening in the same space. But I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, so then, on May 14th, Maria arrives in... France. She is escorted by 57 carriages, 117 footmen, and 376 horses. Wow. I got that from biography.com and I was like, that is so specific. I have to include it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And when she arrives in France, that's when she takes on the French version of her name and becomes Marie Antoinette. Right. And then on May 16th, that is when they are married in a formal ceremony, which takes place at the Palace of Versailles. 
All right, we're getting there. We're getting there. So there's a mixed reaction to Marie Antoinette uh, in France. At first, she's pretty well liked by the common people. Um, but there are still a lot of people in France who oppose the alliance with Austria who immediately are like, not, not down with this. Don't really want her here. Right. Right. Um, also she and her husband are just like polar opposites, like exact opposites. Like she just wants to have fun. And he is like, I kind of have a job to do. Like (laughs) he, I read somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but it was something like he would get up. You know, by the time she got up at, you know, midday, he had already been up for hours. And then by the time he was going to sleep, she was just starting to rear up to party or whatever. Right, and that, right, that was okay, just very yeah. much their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so on May 10th, 1774, King Louis XV dies and Louis Auguste takes the throne as King Louis XVI of France. And Navarre. Sorry, I didn't finish his title. <laughs> Can't forget. No. And then Marie Antoinette, of course, becomes queen. Um, and she's 19 when she becomes queen of France. You know, so far, not that bad. <laughs> not as most, bad. <laughs> most of this is like, they're the same age. He became king when he was, he would have been 20 at this point. They don't need we a have, regent. We have had worse. We've had yeah. much worse. Yeah. This is not that bad. And even though their personalities are per- polar opposite, they don't hate each other yet. I'll t- so far, this is a decent start. Sad to think of how it ends. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. But I, I mean, I will take this start because we have had worse. <laughs> right. Um, so when Marie Antoinette becomes queen, she's not actually very interested in politics. This is coming from Britannica, this info. Um, our good old friend Britannica. Um, but she does, she is interested in politics in the sense that it can allow her to secure favors for her friends. Sure. This is like a pretty big constant in Marie yes. Antoinette's story. I've heard many stories that are not about Marie Antoinette, but do directly involve her and her friends yes. doing stuff. You and know, it, like her yes. doing stuff for her friends. It causes some tension. Um, May 24th, 1774. Uh, King Louis gifts this chateau on the grounds of Versailles to Marie Antoinette. Um, it is the Petit Trianon. Great. <laughs> um, which had been built by Louis XV for his mistress, Madame de Pompadour. Oh my God, I love her. Oh, she'd make a, <laughs> she's, oh, she'd make she'd a great make episode. A good episode. I love her. That's one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who. That's about her. I love oh, her. Oh, she's so good. She's so good. Yeah, also, that should be an episode, wild too. wild gift to give to your wife. Hey, well, my great-great-whatever-grandpa built this house for his mistress. No, just Do his grandpa. Do you want to live there? Just oh, his, his grandpa. grandpa. <laughs> my grandpa built this house for his mistress. Do you want to live there? It's yeah, wild. but Madame de Pompadour was more than a mistress. I she, know that. You know, but anyway. But um, on paper, that's that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, but it's on the grounds of Versailles, so it's right. really just like her own living quarters, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and she is allowed to renovate it to her tastes. She's allowed to redecorate. And this leads to a lot of rumors that she has, quote, plastered the walls with gold and diamonds. I'd believe it. Marie Antoinette loves to spend money. Oh, boy. She spends a lot of money on fashion and gambling. But France is in the middle of a financial crisis. They're in a ton of debt and they are not doing well. And she's just like... Money, money, money. <laughs> yeah, she spends a lot of money. 
Um, and she and her court also adopt a lot of English fashions, like the dresses. Mm. Um, the dresses they adopted were made of Indian. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I-N-D-I-E-N-N-E, which was a material that had been banned in France from 1686 to 1759 to protect local French woolen and silk industries. That's very interesting. Yeah, I never knew that. But and she just said, who cares? She said, I'll have it, please. Um, so not great. Um, and also at this time... The flower war is going on. The flower war of 1775. Flower, you know, the food that you used to bake with, not mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. things that grow out of the ground. Yes. And this whole thing causes a series of riots because the price of flour and bread are so high in France. Um, and so it really damaged her reputation that she's like right. spending all this money while all of this is going on. And people really start to blame her for all the financial Troubles of the country, saying that she wastes all the crown's money. Yeah. Which, yes I mean, and no. <laughs> I would say it's, uh, she's not to blame for the, for getting them into the situation. No, they were already in the crisis. But she but... certainly doesn't do anything to help them get no. out of the situation. <laughs> and in fact, is probably making it worse. She contributes. Yes. To the issue. Um, Marie Antoinette has many favorites at court. Both male admirers, and then she's got all of her close female friends at court as well. She's got a court squad. She does. Her squad. Um, She's not a child, or it would be kid court. Yeah, right. Well. A shame. 19. No, that's not a No, she's a, she's, she's not a a child. Kid court to me is like (laughs) a boy king in kid court. Yeah. Like 10 and under. That at most would be teen court, which is not fun. That's just a bunch of punks. Teen (laughs) court sounds terrible. 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 God, teens. Um, and then 1774, she um, brings her former music teacher, the German opera composer Christoph Willibald Gluck, um, to France and took her took him under her patronage. And he remained there until 1779. Nice. Um, here's Uh-oh. the thing. Uh-oh, I read ahead a little bit. So Louis XVI... And Marie Antoinette have a lot of trouble consummating their marriage. You can read an absurd amount about this topic. Like with way too much detail? Yeah, a little too much detail. Uh Because it's tradition at this time in France for when the royal couple, like, gets married... People watch. Yep. They gather around and because wait it for a, it to happen. It was a legal part of the marriage. Correct. So they had to watch it to make sure that it happened because it was so, legal. So it's recorded pretty well. Yikes. Um. So they have trouble consummating the marriage and the queen is childless through the 1770s, um, which brings about a lot of rivals including the king's brothers who could inherit the throne if she didn't produce an heir and they spread a lot of rumors about her and her alleged affairs one of which we will loop back to at a later time sure um so in august 1777 louis and marie finally consummate their marriage and on may 16 1778 it's confirmed that marie antoinette is pregnant wow <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, once you get the hang of it, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you're, you know, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about that. Oh, God. You said, wow, like it, you know. Well, it just, it's it, it their just, job. 
I know, but it's just quick. <laughs> yeah, but it's that's that's a long time into yeah. their marriage. Yeah. They got married in 1770. So, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Um, so she gives birth to a daughter, Marie-Therese Charlotte, who goes by the title Madame Royale, which I love. Um, on <laughs> December... That sounds like a drag name. It to does. Be <laughs> it fully you. is. Um, on December 19th, 1778, at Versailles, um, the child's paternity is contested. Uh-huh. Um, as were all the paternity of all of her children. Um, in these political pamphlets that were being published at the time, called the libel, can which is I, how we get the term libel, and she's like, can is. I just say I love the concept of political pamphlets <laughs> in history? It's just like, oh, well, now, you want you want a rumor to to spread quickly? I'm not going to print it in the paper. I'm going to print handy dandy little pamphlets with just the rumor or the false information, and I'm going to give them to everyone. Yeah, well, now we have social media. But I just find <laughs> that effort oh yeah <laughs> put into that so delightful it's different when it's like oh we're trying to spread this message or like this thing is happening let's hand out pamphlets but one specifically for rumors i find delightful yeah for some sole, reason its sole purpose was to discredit the monarchy basically yes yes and those just don't exist anymore like other publications that existed back then that have fallen out well. of like habit it but it's like it's different it's like one little sheet of paper with like one very yeah, specific it's not like, rumor that they spread around and then they print a new one for the new rumor. But it's how we got like gossip magazines and stuff. It like definitely that. is. Yeah. I just find it very interesting. Every time I hear about a pamphlet, I imagine like a little threefold, and I know that's probably <laughs> yeah, not what it like is, a but I like thing. to think that yeah. it's a little trifold with like carefully etched images of like lies. <laughs> I find it delightful. So, in court, Marie starts to implement a lot of changes that sort of anger the, the older generation. Uh, uh, they abandon the heavy makeup and right. the wide-hooped panniers, panniers. Which, you know, as much as they would have hated that, made our lives a lot easier to not have to look at that anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you Way know? harsh time. You know what I mean? Those I do, Those old paintings yes. are just a lot. It was a lot. Um, the new fashion was for more of a simple feminine look. Mm-hmm. Um, and they started wearing the gull, which is a layered muslin dress, mm. instead of, like, the big fashion. Yeah. Fashion. But also, make everyone's life easier. It's a little bit of both. I love yes it. Yes and no. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to jump ahead a good bit here, because um, there's a lot about Marie's life at court, but... I'm trying to get to the end game here. I'm trying right, to right, right. include some more important things. So, Marie Antoinette very much encourages her husband to become involved in Britain's war with the North American colonies. Mm-hmm. You may know this as the American Revolutionary War. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so, it, it probably had more to less to do with like her own political beliefs as it did to do with factions that were starting to form in court and her trying to, like, figure out what the best option was going to be, rather than her being like, they must have freedom, you know? Right. But she does play a really important role in uh, securing Austrian and Russian support for France, which sort of became the league that stopped Great Britain's attacks in America. Mm -hmm. She helped the European 
organizing against Britain that allowed America to be like, bye. <laughs> yeah, well, and she had a lot of influence in Austria and Russia, mm-hmm. and she very much used that. Yeah. Um. So, by 1783, Marie is playing a bigger role in getting ministers appointed, mm. uh, which gives her more influence in government. So, she's starting to move to this place where she's, like, a little bit more political, but it's still just, like, she's just getting her friends' appointments. Right. She secures the appointments of the Minister of War, Secretary of the Navy, Minister of the Royal Household, um, and the Minister of War and the Secretary of Navy that she secures the appointments for are the ones who help France aid yeah. America in the that's, war. That's so interesting that she's just like, well, I my friends want these positions, so I'm going to give them to her to them. Not really caring about what their political opinions are, but their political opinions at that moment in history had such huge influence. Well, their political opinions, I th- I think, see, my speculation is that in her mind, it wasn't so much about what are the chain, like, what will they do politically as it was... How can I get people that don't like me out and put people oh, that do like me sure. in? That was, like, all she cared about was her own survival, basically. Right, but Which it's just I understand. Like, it's just, like, it just also so happened that those people she wanted in had these leanings that had yeah. such a huge influence on history. And she didn't care about those. And she just some wanted of them, them even, in. Some of them even, like were kind of useless. Like, yeah. you know, we'll yeah. go back to that. It's really but, interesting. Yeah. So in July of 1779, Marie is in the midst of her second pregnancy and it ends in miscarriage. Mm. And this is confirmed by letters between her and her mother. Um, although some historians thought that she may have experienced bleeding related to an irregular menstrual cycle, which they mistook for a lost pregnancy. Like, she might not have even been pregnant. Yeah, but the other, the the flip of that is also true that a lot of people will just have irregular cycles and it will be a lost pregnancy and they yes. won't know. So yeah. that's that's really hard to say. It was just an interesting piece of speculation yeah. Yeah. That I wanted to throw in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in March of 1781, her third pregnancy is confirmed. And then in Octo- um, October 22nd of that year, she gives birth to Louis-Joseph Xavier Francois, who's the Dauphin of France. Right. So she gives birth to an heir. Um, so despite the fact that she has now produced an heir, she continues to lose popularity, um, because people see her as protecting the interests of Austria over the interests of France, which she kind of is. Um, and she continues to appoint her friends to important positions. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, her friend, the Duchess de, I'm going to say it wrong, Polignac? I can't, I can't say it right, but it's a, it's a name that I know when I read it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I can't say yes. it right. Um, she makes this friend the governess of the royal children when her former governess de- declares bankruptcy and has to quit. Oh, my God. Um, so that's just, you know, cool. That's wild. Um, and I can't say her last name, Polignac. She um, is considered by a lot of people to be, like, too low of birth like she's not rich enough she yeah basically uh-huh. she doesn't hold like a real position um and they don't like that she occupies this position and the position allows her family to just gain all this influence in court mm-hmm. um which the aristocracy and the public both hate right <laughs> particularly in paris 
So, and both both Marie Antoinette and the king very much trust this family and the aristocratic. You know, they they see they it as a like very it. big problem. Yeah. In June of 1783, it is announced that Marie is pregnant again, but she suffers another miscarriage in November on the night of her 28th birthday. That's sad. It is sad. Um, And then around this time, we get more of these pamphlets describing the sexual deviance of of the queen and her friends at court and all this, this... image starts to become really popular around france you know what i always think when they talk about like rumors of like quote-unquote sexual deviance we imagine something like very dramatic but i feel like most of the time it was like so mundane compared to what we would imagine as like sexual deviance now well, let, me always, an, let me give you, you know an example I mean. let me give you an example this is a quote it was publicly suggested that her supposed behavior was learned at the court of the rival nation, Austria, particularly lesbianism, which was known as the, quote, German vice. <laughs> now, I just want to say, I love the idea that, <laughs> that Germans invented Germany. lesbianism <laughs> as something in which to just indulge. And I, I love that idea. I find I it so funny. so much. That's so funny. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking yes. about. Like, that's <laughs> hilarious. I would love that. Like, if I read that now, I'd be like, great. <laughs> Excellent. And the Germans were like, yeah, and? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, my God, you're right. So, so funny. funny. Uh, so throughout her life, Marie accumulates a library of over 5,000 books. Nice. She particularly likes reading the ones about music, of course. I was about to ask if she had learned to read at this point, but... Yeah, no, she could read. I misspoke earlier. I didn't... She couldn't write very well. She could read. I misspoke when I said read. I corrected myself. (laughs) I think you just missed me correcting myself. She just couldn't write very well. She could could read. Uh, (laughs) She sponsors the arts, particularly music, and also supports some scientific endeavors. Um, and actually, she witnesses the first launch of a hot air balloon. <gasps> That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. On March 17, 1785, she gives birth to a second son, Louis Charles, who becomes the Duke of Normandy. Again, the legitimacy of, of Louis Charles is very heavily debated among the of public. Course. A lot of people think that he's the child of Count Axel von Fersen, who was definitely one of Marie's favorites and one of the more famous, like, affairs that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this whole thing where, like, people really debated this for a long time, but then people were able to confirm that, like, the conception of this child actually did coincide with a visit that the king had made to Marie. Mm. Um, it just also happened to coincide a little bit with one that Von Fersen well, had with I her, too. And I just always so. think, like, really, how many n- nobles in history were not legitimate? Oh, yeah. And we'll just never know. Like, oh, yeah. This whole totally. thing about, like, birth and purity, but, like, so many. There is no way well, that, like, I guess every royal is c- related no. to the person that they get their royalty from. But you have There's to remember no that, way. like, the the thought at the time was, like, 
it shouldn't be illegitimate because the woman's not supposed to have affairs. The man can right. have affairs. So they're used to the men having illegitimate children. The kings yes. have a lot of illegitimate children. But the women, for that to happen with them, would be like constitutional crisis disaster. Right. But I so, also just think So like, it's just more it's just more talked about oh, and yeah, re- but you that, know like there are definitely ones that were never talked about. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, find yeah, it yeah. really unlikely that like, I don't know, whoever whatever King Henry was like directly related to whoever was the n- noble yeah. that first gave him his nobility. You know what I mean? Like, well, the f- noble that first gave him his nobility won in a war, so you know that's a little different. Right, but, but <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I, yes, I, I find do. it unlikely that like every son of a king was a son of a king. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Totally with you. But also, he's not the heir at this point, so right. it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. matter. Yeah, yeah. But the chances are that it. It probably was Louis' son. And in fact, most people now believe that he right. was. Um, so July 9th, 1786, Marie gives birth, birth to her last child, a second daughter, Marie-Sophie, Helene Beatrix, who is who goes by Madame Sophie. Yeah, that's the best name about, out of mm-hmm. all of them. But did you notice that both of their girls are Marie's and both of their boys are Louis? <sighs> that's a shame. Anyway, Marie-Sophie only lives 11 months. Oh, that's sad. It's just sad. I will say, four kids, she did much better. <laughs> I know, right? I know. <laughs> she said, I'm good. I mean, yeah. and then other things happened, but she said, I'm but good. But <laughs> also somehow only two miscarriages. That's, she lucked out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for real. So, in 1785. I love this story. We have the affair, or I'm sorry, the diamond necklace affair. I love now, this story. It's wild. I'm not going to go into the whole story because there's a lot that happens mm-hmm. in it. Um, but essentially, she is falsely accused of participating in defrauding these jewelers, Bomer and Bassinge, Um for this really expensive necklace that they had originally made for Madame du Barry, who was the mit- mistress of King Louis the Fifteenth, mm-hmm. uh, mistress, who, by the way, hated Marie Antoinette. It's a whole thing. She hated Marie Antoinette when she came to the country. Oh my god, it was a big deal. Um, I left that part out because it was just like that's too much. Um, <laughs> but you can read about that too. Um, but by this point, she's she's dead, so mm-hmm. she was not involved. <laughs> um, there was this whole thing where, like, she was accused of having an affair with uh, somebody in the church. I can't remember what position they held. It's a whole thing. If you want to know the whole story, here's what I recommend. There's a YouTube channel. Yes, yes, listeners. yes, yes. I was going to re- recommend this also. Yeah. Called Watcher. That's the YouTube channel. And they do this series called Puppet History. I recommend all of them. But they do an episode about this. It's really so- interesting. If you just search Puppet History, it'll be one of the ones that comes up because there aren't that many episodes. So just search that on YouTube, and it's a really good story about it. Um, But essentially, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but all the guilty parties are found out. Like, it is discovered that she actually had nothing to do with this. They try and convict the guilty parties. Somebody was impersonating her. It's a whole thing. Yeah. um, But... But it was so damaging to her reputation that she basically never recovered. That's so she, wild. Yeah. After all of this happens, she kind of stops partying so much, um, starts focusing a little bit more on being involved in politics. I think by this point, she probably um, realized, like, I'm not accumulating any power for myself. Mm-hmm. And that might be a mistake. Right. <laughs> so she starts getting involved a little bit more in politics and... 
She starts showing more attention to her children, at least publicly, because she wants to be seen as this, like, caring mother. Right, right. She's trying to change her public image. Sure. It's not effective, ultimately. (laughs) Um, so, after all of this, the king sort of starts becoming a little depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, we could talk about it more if we ever did an episode on him, specifically. Mm -hmm. But he starts leaning more on Marie Antoinette for political advice. Um, meanwhile, the financial situation in France is still in, like, a very big downward spiral. So, again, we've skipped some things, but now we're going to start, like, ramping up the action a little bit. So, the king, queen, and minister of finance call for a session of the Assembly of of Notables, which had been on hiatus for, like, 160 years. Like, this assembly had not met. (laughs) That is so wild. Like, that, that political groups like that can just, like... Never meet. They're around. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't need them. For and then one day they're like, years. "We're back, baby!" It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the The point was to start initiating some financial reforms. Finally, but Parliament does not want to cooperate with this. And on top of that, Marie does not attend the first meeting on February twenty second, seventeen eighty seven, which. Does not help her image. People start accusing her of trying to undermine the process. Oh, my God. Because she didn't go to one meeting. Ugh. That's a lot. That's wild. So they get rid of the Minister of Finance. They keep trying to attempt reform in the Assembly. They appoint a new Minister of Finance that the Queen requests. um, But they're still not able to come to any solution. And because the Queen has put the Minister of Finance in place, it's her fault that they can't come to a solution. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, you know, um, as a, because of the public perception that she single-handedly ruined the national finances. Which is so wild. I know. She is given the nickname Madame Deficit. <laughs> clever. <laughs> in the summer of 1787. Oh, boy. So, then, the king is like, this is not going to fly with me. And then on August 15th, 1787, he exiles Parliament to Troy. And then... It's so wild. Then the May Edicts come, which are a series of edicts that start on May 8th, 1788, that basically just remove a lot of the powers of Parliament. Oh my gosh. Again, there's a lot more to that, but I'm not going to dig super yeah, deep yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah. These are just like bullet points of how we get to where we get to. Um, Marie does take part in the King Council, and she's the first queen to do this in over 175 years. Ooh. I don't know what all that entails. I didn't go too deep <laughs> To be fair, it. that other group didn't meet in 160 years, so maybe there just weren't a lot of meetings taking <laughs> <Right>. place. <laughs> well, they weren't in financial ruin during those times. Yeah. So, you know, some of it, but you know. <laughs> and then on August 8th, 1788... Louis XVI announces that he is going to bring back the Estates General, which is the traditional elected legislature of France. Um, Had not been convened since 1614. Oh, boy. So, during this time, from 1787 to 1789, Marie is also dealing with the health of the Dauphin, who has tuberculosis. So things are not going great for her right now. Yeah. And then on June 4th, 1789, the Dauphin dies of of TB. The people, though, are largely unconcerned with the Dauphin's death. Because 
they're getting ready for this meeting of the Estates General and they want to they want reform at this point and, and they're also ar- yeah they're already not that hot on the royal family so. right and they're also solely focused on a resolution to the bread crisis because the people are starving mm-hmm. like they cannot afford food at this point that's literally all they care enter lames <laughs> yeah yeah right oh oh don't get me started <laughs> Two four six oh one boy. Okay, <laughs> so enter the third estate. The third estate is a democratic group consisting mostly of bourgeois and radical aristocrats. So they're powerful people, but they're a radical group of people, um, and they declare themselves a national assembly. Um, and then on June twentieth, seventeen eighty nine, they go to meet with the states general and find the doors locked and they leave and they go to take the tennis court oath, which was them literally meeting on a tennis court court. (laughs) and they vow not to separate and to reassemble wherever circumstances require until the constitution of the kingdom is established. So this is where it's like official. We're looking for a constitutional monarchy. We want a constitution because that's what we think is going to change things. Thanks, America. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. That's what I mean. That's uh, that's that was a big influence for this whole thing. Was I know our model? Yeah. So I uh, found this quote interesting. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Great. So as people either spread or believed rumors that the queen wished to bathe in their blood, Marie Antoinette went into mourning for her eldest son. Her role was decisive in urging the king to remain firm and not concede to popular demands or reforms. In addition, she showed her determination to use force to crush the forthcoming revolution. So this is where we get that image of Marie Antoinette, like, just sitting up in her castle and being like, ugh, whatever. Like, we're in charge. She was, was, but also that was her attitude. She was like, nobody's going to remove us from power. Yeah. And we'll do what we have to do. Yeah. But you know that had a big influence on that attitude, was that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then on July 14th, news that the queen would crush the revolution with mercenary Swiss troops reach, reaches Paris. And this results in the riots that then result in the storming of the Bastille. Sure, sure, sure. On July 15th, the, Mar- the Marquis de Lafayette, Lafayette. <laughs> is named commander-in-chief of the newly formed National Guard. Oh um, July 17th, the immigration of the of high arist- aristocracy begins. He starts moving people out of court. Mm-hmm. Um, but the queen stays with the king. Um, but his power is just, like, slowly being chipped away by the national constituent assembly mm-hmm. so we're we're skipping a lot um there's a lot that happens that leads to the full french revolution um including like war with austria and a few other things i'm not going to go into that too much again we're just hitting some bullet points to get through like marie's story mm-hmm So on August 26, 1789, the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen, which is drafted by Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, is adopted. And the point is to pave the way for a constitutional monarchy. Mm -hmm. So Lafayette actually does not want to get rid of the monarchy. 
He just wants basically what's happening in Britain to be happening in France. But the life at court continues, as do the bread shortages in Paris. Oh, boy. And on October 5th, 1789, a crowd from Paris descends on Versailles, causing the royal family to flee um, to, gosh, I'm going to say it wrong, to nope, to <laughs> Palace in Paris. They, they, they go to another palace. I just loved the immediate, nope. <laughs> I, I was, I mean, it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they live there under basically house arrest under the watch of the National Guard and kind of under Lafayette too. Like he, um, he actually, so he hates the queen a lot. <laughs> but during this time, he, he kind of like helps her to get through, like he helps her to survive basically, mm-hmm. um, which ultimately kind of leads to his undoing. Yikes. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Cause technically he's in charge <laughs> right. of her. Right. Um, so there, during this time, there are a lot of plots to get the king and the royal family out. Um, but like Louis takes a really long time to agree to one. And when mm. he finally does, it is executed so badly. <laughs> it does not go well. They have this like elaborate scheme and it's known as the flight to Varennes um, to, to reach, you know, this, this other place. And some members of the Royal family are supposed to dress up as servants for like a fake wealthy Russian baroness and um, this is so elaborate and the governess there was no way was, this was gonna work I know and the governess was supposed to play this woman and oh they God. attempt the escape on June 21st 1791 and within 24 hours they catch them and within a week they're sent back to Paris I want to see a, a play that's just this plot being executed incorrectly. It literally sounds like a Shakespeare comedy. It really like, like it's not the, good. like the lead up to it and then them attempting it and it failing and then them getting ca- like captured. Like mm-hmm. I, that would be a that would make a great play, I think. Yeah. And then they're brought to trial but they're exonerated at this point publicly mm-hmm. um for any anything in relation to the escape. Um sure. So then after a lot of other things happen besides just that. Again, so many other things happen. I'm sorry I'm skipping over a lot of them. But, you know, we've been recording for a while now. And I don't want you to sit here for three hours. So in April of 1792, officially, the French Revolutionary Wars are declared. Okay. June 10th, 1792, a mob breaks into the palace where the king and queen are and make the king wear a red bonnet to show his quote-unquote loyalty for the revolution and they threaten Marie Antoinette's life wow so after this she the queen asks uh Fersen who by the way is the guy she was like might have been the father of her kid right uh, but probably wasn't Uh um to urge foreign powers to carry out their plans to invade France and also to issue a manifesto in which they threatened to destroy Paris if anything happened to the royal family. So basically, she's asking foreign powers to invo- avo- um, invade her country to, to squash a revolution. That is wild. And this becomes the Brunswick Manifesto, and it's issued on July 25th. The people are leading. The people are rioting. <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs> and then on August 10th, an armed mob... 
arrives to the palace um, and forces the royal family to take refuge at the legislative assembly. The palace is invaded within like 90 minutes by the mob. And then they massacre the Swiss guards who are there. That is wild. Oh man, the French Revolution is fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, we could do a whole other thing about the French Revolution. We could do like several episodes on the front, because it's buck wild. It is buck wild. So by August 13th, the royal family is imprisoned in the Tower of the Temple in the Marais. Okay. Marais, possibly. I don't know how to say it. (laughs) And then on September 27th, 1792, this is when the fall of the monarchy is officially declared. Right. And the National Convention becomes the governing body of the French Republic. So a lot has happened. But this is where Marie stands at this point. It's so interesting that, like, so much of the French Revolution was um, directly influenced by the American Re- Revolution, but functioned so differently. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, the difference was that, um, I think, the American um, Revolution, the people who decided they were going to fight were people who had served in the military mm-hmm. and yeah. they were like this is how it's going to be done yes. so we didn't we didn't riot really i mean we yeah. did a little bit there you know the boston tea party was a riot and and things like that but it wasn't so much like because we're not on the land yeah that's that's what it where really is. the it's oppressor the is land. and it's people who had already decided to leave that country because they didn't want to be in it anymore for Kinda, whatever yeah. reason you know what i mean like for for various reasons but still it wasn't so much like we need to take this government back it was we need our own government yes, which is a very, totally yeah. different thing yes um, but it's just very interesting that their connections and their differences are fascinating to me. Yeah. And we'll talk about it more when when I officially talk about um, the Russian revolutions. Oh, yes. I got a lot for those. <laughs> um, so once the National Convention takes power, Louis XVI is separated from his family and charged with undermining the First French Republic. And he is sure. tried in December of 1792. Isn't that wild that they just have, like, That's how it goes. There's a new government, and that's here's how a, a brand new charge for I know that's how it's going. It's just interesting to me. With, like, yeah. no established, like, laws or anything. They're just like, here's your verdicts. You know? Yep. It's just fascinating. Well, he's found guilty, mm-hmm. of course. And on January 15th, 1793, Louis is condemned to death, and he is executed on January 21st. So, throughout her... Obviously, Marie Antoinette is imprisoned at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, She does have the sympathy of some conservative factions and some social religious groups, which were against the revolution. So, she kind of had a little bit of a glimmer of hope. Um, And there were a lot of wealthy people on her side who were ready to bribe officials to get her out. But... All of the plots to get her to escape failed. Yeah, because it was just, they're too far gone now. Yeah, and she's also separated from her son, who who now technically, if they were still in power, would be the Dauphin. Right. Um, they're well, would he be separated. the king now? At this point? Well, yeah, because her, because, yeah. He was dead, um, yeah. Yeah, but um, he, they're separated, and she... 
she can't see him at all. And he has been made to turn against her. Right. And accuse her of a lot of wrongdoing because now he's in the control of the the Revolutionary Party. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is rough. Yeah. So on August 1st, 1793, at one o'clock in the morning, Marie Antoinette is taken to an isolated cell in the concierge, nope, conciergerie. Great. As prisoner number 280. Wow. Oct- Isn't that wild? I know. She queen, was the queen to of prisoner France. number 280. Yeah. Wow. Um,. On October 14th, 1793, she is tried by the Revolutionary Tribunal. She and her lawyers get less than a day to prepare her defense. Yep. And then I am going to read the accusations because there, these were just some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, orchestrating orgies in Versailles. We started off on a... <laughs> running, running down this list. Sending millions of livres to, um, of treasury money to Austria. So basically laundering money. Uh-huh. Planning the massacre of the National Guard in 1792. Okay. Declaring her son to be the new king of France. And uh-huh. incest, a charge made by her son, <gasps> Louis Charles, pressured into doing so by the, by the radical Jacques, you know, who controlled him. Wow. And when she heard that one, she, like, had a very dramatic response. Yeah, like, well, she yeah. let the other ones go by, and then she, like, made a show of that one because there were mothers in the crowd, and she was, like, trying to get their sympathy, which yeah. she kind of did. Right. Um, but, it, I mean, at But the also, end of that the day, one would probably have been the hardest one to take the first time you hear that. Like, absolutely. Oh, God. But at the end of the day, not even that sympathy helped her, obviously, because on October 16th, Marie Antoinette is found guilty of Mm -hmm. three, the three main charges, which were depletion of the national treasury, conspiracy against the internal and external security of the state, and high treason because of her intelligence activities um, in the interest of the enemy. And the treason charge is enough for her to be sentenced to death. Right. Um, so as she's preparing for her execution, she has to change clothes in front of the guards. She wears a plain white dress, which is the color worn by widowed queens in France. Um, her hair is shorn and her hands are bound behind her back and she's put on a rope leash. Mm -hmm. And unlike her husband, Louis, who had been taken to his execution in a carriage, she was in an open cart um, where people could just yell things at her. She was being taken to where she was to the guillotine. Mm-hmm. Um, she had like a, a priest in the cart with her. And apparently she like did not speak to him the whole time, like until they got there. Mm-hmm. So Marie Antoinette is executed by the guillotine on October 16th, 1793 at 1215 PM. Her last words are recorded as pardon me, sir. I did not do it on purpose after she accidentally stepped on the executioner's shoe. Wow. That's. Uh, huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's pretty. I, those are pretty good. I know. Words. I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, her body is thrown into an unmarked grave in the Madeline Cemetery, um, which actually 
closes the following year because it was over capacity. Because of all the executions. Sure. That were happening in France. (laughs) Yeah. So that's Marie Antoinette's life. Um, On January 18th, 1815, both Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI's bodies are exhumed um, during the Bourbon Restoration when the throne is reestablished and the new king allows them to have a Christian burial Mm. um, on January 21st in the necropolis of French Kings at the Basilica of St. Denis. Um, So they did eventually get Get buried with the, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, And then I just had a few other, a couple other little facts here. Um, So let's talk about the phrase, let them eat cake. Yes, please. Which is always attributed to Marie Antoinette. Like she says it in the film that they made about her, which by the way, I have a lot of problems with that. I won't go into now, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but there's no evidence that she, ever said it uh-huh uh, and it's now just like a thing that's in the lexicon right? right but um the phrase i'm gonna uh read this quote this phrase originally appeared in book six of the first part of jean jacques rousseau's autobiographical work les confessions finished in 1767 um it said finally i recalled the stopgap solution of a great princess who was told that the peasants had no bread and who responded let them eat brioche um, so he ascribes the words to a great princess, but the writing date precedes Marie Antoinette's arrival in France. Oh. So uh, people just like assumed, but he probably just like made it up. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah. Um, huh. so it was not her. That's so interesting. <laughs> um, here's something interesting that I never knew. And Did you you're not gonna know freak this? Out. I so, didn't know. So in the United States... Expressions of gratitude to France for its help in the American Revolution included naming a city Marietta, Ohio in 1788. Now, Amanda and I have lived next to Marietta, Ohio, basically our whole lives until we moved away from home. I never knew did that this not, city was named after her. Did you or not if know I that? did, Or if I did, it was so long ago that I just like, I completely lost it from Here, my memory. Here's why I, I knew that and you didn't. I go to that museum in Marietta all the time. Oh yeah, time, you do. And you I know that, that it's mentioned on like the tour of the house. Sure, There's that like makes this sense. museum in Marietta that's about I, like the founding of the city. I, yeah, I hear it all the I'm time. I'm sure that I was told that at some point uh-huh. in my life, but Marietta was not my town. So I didn't really like retain any information from it. It was just like the town across the river. I was going to mention that, that time fact in. earlier well, and then I just didn't because it didn't come up. But yeah, I got yep. it. Marietta, Ohio is named after Marie the first Antoinette. settlement in Ohio. Mm-hmm. That I did know. Um, and also, last little fact: Marie Antoinette actually adopted four children. Huh. Um, there was a lot more about them, but I didn't want to go too deep into it. Um, only three of them lived with the royal family, and the fourth, the queen basically paid all of his expensive up and expenses up until she was imprisoned and actually that was not great for him because i think he ended up dying of starvation which is a sad place to end it but But that's that's really interesting (laughs) that's where we are so she she only had four children but then she adopted four more so she had eight so still less than the 16 and i don't know if she legally adopted them or if she just like took them in right um which is really the same thing back then you know what i mean like people were you know so, but that's Marie Antoinette. Should we do a little uh, Google autofill about her? Because we haven't done one in a while, and I'm sure. sure there are some fascinating ones about her. If I can spell it right. 
Okay. Was Marie Antoinette executed? Yup. Yep. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Well, that's subjective. So. Huh. The, and then the next one is pretty. <laughs> um, and then the one after that is, was Marie Antoinette evil? <laughs> She's like... She's a villain in a Disney movie. I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, she's definitely evil. She wasn't great at the very she least. Just spent and spent and spent. Yeah. You know. Um was Marie Antoinette killed? Yeah. Yeah. Was Marie Antoinette a Habsburg? Yes, mm-hmm. she sure was. Oh, here's an interesting one. Is Marie Antoinette syndrome real? What's that? So this came up a little bit in my uh, research. Um, it's basically where someone's hair turns suddenly white. And it comes from this lore about Marie Antoinette, whose hair supposedly turned white, um, like, right after her execution. Huh. So that's, like, th- it came up a little bit. That's like, every really time, everywhere I look, it would be, like, Marie Antoinette and Marie Antoinette syndrome. But I, like, never got to that point because I was reading about Marie Antoinette. I've never um, heard that. That's really interesting. Yeah, so that's a good one. Um, is Marie Antoinette on Netflix or on Hulu? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she I've seen the movie. Isn't. The movie might no. be. Uh, is Marie Antoinette syndrome permanent? That's a totally different question. <laughs> don't know how to answer that for you. Uh, is Marie Antoinette French? No. Uh, is they have a lot of questions about the syndrome? Is Marie Antoinette syndrome bad? <laughs> Uh, is Marie Antoinette related to Queen Mary, Queen of Scots? And also they want to know if she's related to Queen Victoria. Um, probably Queen Victoria was related to the Habsburgs, right? Yes. Yeah, I can't remember. I did a whole episode on her, but none yeah. of that's coming to my the brain ha- right The now. Habsburgs came up somewhere in there. So there is some connection <laughs> for sure. And then, finally, is Marie Antoinette movie accurate? <laughs> and Anna Webb says no. No. I mean, she literally says let them eat cake in the movie. Which is so I don't know what that tells you about, about the, the rest of, of the, the movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a bad film. It's just not accurate. Right. And it's a little weird. <laughs> but that's Marie Antoinette, baby. I enjoyed that. She's a very interesting woman. Yeah. And again, there's so much. Like, you can read about Marie Antoinette for hours. And yeah. I did. Um, and, and we'll probably end up doing an episode all about the French Revolution eventually. So or we can something talk a surrounding bit. it, for sure. Yeah, for a, sure. Or at least an incident during it, mm-hmm. so we can probably talk about her more then. You might talk about Lafayette at some point. There's a yeah, lot I might, there. I might do an episode all about Louis and yeah. his side of things. So, you know, eventually we'll get more pieces we'll of We'll dip back story, into but, it. But I wanted to talk a little bit about her. Um, so, there we go. I loved it. She's, ugh. <laughs> there's a lot of character. there's a lot of feelings to be had about Marie Antoinette. I would say, yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> a good way to say it. It's kind of the only way I can put it. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know what's happening next time. Nor do I. <laughs> but um, if you guys have 
questions or comments or suggestions for topics. We do have a suggested topic that we're going to get to at some point here um, that's on our list. But if you guys have any more suggestions, you can send them to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at RTTPod. We're also on Facebook. Just search the name of the podcast and we will come up. Um, and if you want to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be awesome. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb, and I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Did it? I say so much at the end, and you yep. say like one thing. Yep, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that is not on purpose. It's just the first time we did it. Anna did all that, and then that's just how it's. Been I used forever. to do it on another podcast I was on, so I just took the reins. You yeah, know? I'll take I it. I don't mind. It. I, I wouldn't remember all that stuff, so <laughs> I'm pretty good at that part. I think the memory thing. Um, so. We don't know what's happening next week, but uh, until next time, remember that time. Mm-hmm.